Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bulls Beat Podcast Show, the Chicago Bulls Podcast. Welcome back to the Bulls Beat Bulls fans. This is Doug Tonus, now always joined with the amazing Mark K. Mark, I need to know your last name. It sounds so weird to say K, but you don't announce it anywhere. You're just like, this is Mark from Bulls HQ. That's just the worst well, intro ever. It's, it's because it's a long Greek name, I suppose, and it just makes it difficult for people to pronounce, like Frederick, for example. So I'm formally going to change my last name to K from Australia. I think. K from Australia, <laughs> the, the, the official Mark K from Australia. And of course, my long-term uh, driver on the bus, the chauffeur. Uh, Fred Pfeiffer, prophet of Chicago Bulls, and ready to give me all kinds of hell today. Uh, just, just waiting, just jumping. You couldn't believe the level of excitement he had. I think greater to give me crap than actually that the Bulls won, uh, but, but perhaps not. How are you doing today, Mark? Mark, I'm, 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 what about me? I'm very. <laughs> we'll, we'll come to you. We'll okay. come to you. Can I just say though, Doug, that Fred worked out how to use his camera, and he's in a suit at the moment. Just giving the visual for, for people listening, he's in a suit at the moment, and he actually does look like a chauffeur the way he's dressed up. But um, <laughs> I dare you. I'm in Las Vegas at another conference. Uh, I'm, I'm giving speeches. It's just uh, been a fantastic few days where people are learning from me on things other than basketball. Believe it or not. Well, uh, well, that's that's very good. I'm, I'm pleased to hear that. But look, I'm 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 well, Doug. To answer your question, um, Bulls are two and zero over the last two games. I didn't think they were going to be two and zero over the last two games. I was expecting a loss against the Jazz, and uh, I guess at some point during that third quarter, I was expecting a loss there as well. But uh, they they found a way to win both games. The the Jazz was a, I won't say it was a convincing win, but that was, they pretty much led that one from from the start to the to the end there. Whereas the Celtics game was probably one of the more memorable. Uh, games that I've had like watching this Bulls team in, in a long long time and it's easy to say that given that this is the first game that we're re- recording straight after uh, uh, or after uh, um, this particular win here but I don't know like the way they came back the fashion they did it as well like it just didn't feel like a, the same type of Bulls team that we've been watching the last four years you know the previous types of teams that we have been watching the last four years would have folded long long ago to the point where a you know, a 14, 15 point Celtics lead would have blown out to a 30, 40 point uh, Celtics win type thing. But in this case, the Bulls found a way to win and gave us just a, an amazing performance. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty jubilant at the moment, and uh, I'm very, I'm, I'm very happy with the way it's happening. In, in particular, given that we're so early into the season, this team is still learning how to play with each other. And despite all that, despite Zach having the thumb injury, Vooch not making a shot, like they're still getting it done. So it's, uh, it's, it's extremely encouraging right now. Fred, lay the, lay the profit news on us. How great is well, it? How great is it? Just tell us how great it is. It's well, it's fantastic to to be right. It really feels great. Your your uh, <laughs> hair blows in the wind, and you're wearing your robes, and you don't really care. Just uh, wave it all like you don't even care. I mean, Doug. <laughs> for, for anybody who doesn't know, Doug and I had a had a contentious episode of of. Uh, <laughs> Of uh, the big red bus. You're so excited, where, you can't even we say were, it. I, I forgot our podcast name for a second there. I was seeing, talking about a senior moment, and and in this, <laughs> it, we, we had an argument around Io. And uh, you know, I really believe in Io, and uh, I believed in him. I think he's one of the best college, collegiate players I've ever seen. One of my favorite players to ever watch. I've watched many, many hours of him. So I find it kind of uh, laughable when I have people in my life who comment on him who don't, you know, like, hate to say it, Mark, but you're one of them who never really hardly watched him. Have you ever watched 10 minutes IO in your life? I doubt it. I've watched 12. 12 minutes. 12 minutes. Yes, how how many minutes does he play for the Bulls? Mark has watched that many. He's willing He's willing to say he'd prefer to drive the Mini Cooper than IO. And then IO comes out, and so then Doug hammers him because on his shooting percentages yesterday morning. And lo and behold, today as I wake up, he's shooting fifty-seven percent from three. Is that acceptable, Doug? I think I is think that it works acceptable out okay. percentage. If he does that over the course of the year, he'll be in the Hall of Fame instead of out of the league. So that's how he's a new Kyle Korver. That's what he is. <laughs> I, I just I love the guy, and I love being right. And I was right on Io. This kid has got something special. The quote from Billy Donovan yesterday really, to me, said it all. I don't have it in front of me, but I'll I'll find it and read it later. The guy's a special player. I really think at worst he's going to be a rotation player in the NBA. At best, he'll be a multi-time, uh, multi-time all-star. That's how good I think he is. He's got a gift, uh, fearless. He can, can do it all. He has a, a tremendous energy. I love the kid. And you would have to be a complete moron to not be excited about this Bulls team where we're at. Uh, you know, I didn't expect them to be six and one, probably five and two. But I was on definitely on the higher end of where I expected the beloved Bulls to be. 
And it's just for once just exciting to realize, like, we have a contender here. Like, there's no team. I've said this before. I'll say it again. The delta between us and the best team in the league is much smaller than anyone realizes. And I really think we're on maybe like maybe one acquisition away from potentially challenging this year. What say you? Yeah, I think that's actually an interesting point that comes up now because going into this, I thought, yeah, maybe the ceiling is 50 wins. And 50 wins is probably, for most teams, not a title contending team. like you. But the, the NBA talent this year, just the gap is not that big. There's no real standout teams, especially with all the mess going on in Brooklyn. And, you know, Milwaukee, who won last year, and I think Milwaukee is great. Like, I don't, I don't know if we really feel that they're so unbeatable like that team. You know, and, and, and maybe Milwaukee, and Milwaukee hasn't played well to start the season, so who knows. But with Brooklyn potentially being completely derailed with Kyrie's weirdness and James Harden just maybe never recovering from when he personally tanked himself by allowing himself to get fat and out of shape and just and the rule changes now penalizing some of these guys like Harden who used to do, you know, crazy kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you, you could legitimately make a case. If you're any team at the trade deadline that's on pace for 50-ish wins, you're probably right in the mix this year to win the title. I mean, I don't know if, if anyone disagrees with that. I mean, it's just like there's like who really scares you in this case? Yeah, no, completely agree, Doug. And, and I mean, we're, we're just talking about the Eastern Conference here, but that, that thought that you just had there extends to the West as well. Like, People have penciled in the Lakers for whatever reason, just because they're the Lakers. They've got AD, they've got LeBron, but they don't look very convincing. And then beyond them, obviously Kawhi's hurt. Denver is out without Jamal Murray. Uh, who's who? Who? Who else is there in the West? I guess and that's when you Warriors. stuck it into the yeah. the Warriors and the Phoenix Suns. But they're not your typical champion championship level team, I suppose. So uh, yeah, I, I certainly take your point that it is a wide open field. That and, and I've I've been banging on this drum for for a while now, like. I think, you know, seeds three through nine in the East will be separated by a couple of games, whether that's, you know, three games, five games, six games, whatever it may be. I don't think it's going to be this huge, this huge delta between those teams. So I, I certainly take your point there. And I, I guess what what we're seeing from the Bulls is kind of what I was expecting to see from them like with, after 25 games, once they've sort of found, found their way to play with each other. And whilst I thought their their peak version would be as good as most teams in the Eastern Conference. I, I assume they would be a little bit back in terms of wins just because they were a completely new team coming in and they would, you know they, they would need at least 20 games to build some sort of level of cohesion. But what we saw last night was the Bulls looked like the team that had been carried over for years and years and that Celtics team were like it, it seemed like they were the new team coming together. So I, I guess what's really important here is the Bulls are six and one. They're banking these wins. These wins are banked they're in they're in the bank. You can't take those wins away from this team and they're still learning to play with each other. So that, that's really important. And teams like the Hawks, teams like the Celtics, who I assumed at this point of the season would be ahead of the Bulls, they're not. So that, that's really encouraging. And as the Bulls continue to build on from here, um, I, th- I think that's where the scope for for what you sort of noted, Doug, where, where potentially um, the projections, let's say our, our own projections had them 43, 44, 45 wins, whatever it may be. Maybe we'd have to start bumping that number up to... 47, 48, potentially a little bit more, assuming they continue down this trend where they've already banked these six wins here. And good to hear you say, Mark, that they're, you're going to readjust to where I had them before the season. <laughs> uh, it's very, very, very uh, heartwarming. Well, I mean, are that. you going to readjust yours numbers then? Are, are you going <laughs> to bump it up, up to, to 55? 50. <laughs> exactly. I, I think absolutely uh, it goes up to 50 at least. You know, to me, the most exciting thing about this team, without a doubt, is like, there's teams that are built for regular season success and there's teams that are built for playoff success. The more I watch the Bulls, I believe this team can win in the playoffs. So you have three guys that can get offense out of the half court and things slow down. And you look at a team like the Knicks or you look at a team like uh, the Hornets, you know, and the Hornets have taken a step, but they're going to be awful in the playoffs because that's they don't have enough talent to play in the half court when things slow down. And uh, when, when guys, you know, when all the want to in the world starts being uh, equated out, the, the Knicks aren't going to go anywhere. So I really think when the Bulls learn how to develop uh, a symbiotic relationship between Levine, DeRozan, and and Vooch, they're going to be awful hard to beat, and they're going to be a team that's ready to play playoff basketball, where uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I do think we need to add one more player. hope that's done sometime before the trade deadline, and that needs to be at the four. I don't know what it will – you know, ideally, like a guy who can play 3 and D, right? You know, Thad Young I think would be a perfect addition to this team. Obviously, we can't get him. But a player of that ilk who may not cost a ton 
do you guys have any thoughts about potential additions that might be beneficial for the beloved? The one, the one thought I think of all the time is uh, Christian Wood from Houston. And I look at Wood, his salary is like $14 million. He's on this tremendous value contract. He adds a lot of offense. And I actually think we have enough like defensive pieces. You know, the way we've seen the, the defense actually play out, that perimeter disruptive defense actually seems more important. Maybe that'll change in the playoffs, but I don't I don't know. Uh, so I think adding someone like Wood would be fantastic. Then I look at Houston. They seem like a team that would probably be willing to trade him. Uh, they're not going to get any use out of him this year. They're tanking and probably not ready to do anything with him next year. He's an unrestricted free agent the year after that. So they probably want to extract value out of him. Uh, his salary fits into what we would need. And then it's really just... If we offered up Kobe White, Patrick Williams, and the Portland pick, I think that's like the package we can offer someone. And so it's really like, what's the best player you could get for that package? That might be the best package Houston could get for Christian Wood. Like maybe they could get something better, but I've, I I don't know that anyone else is like, yeah, I have I have a lot more to give up than, like, say, a mid-first round pick and, and two prospects, one of them with good upside. And Houston would be looking for that type of package. They'd be looking for picks and young prospects. So like it's kind of like a balance between all of that. I don't know that that's enough to get it done. But when I look at a guy who maybe could move the needle, fits the right price tag of what we could send matching salary wise, the team might be motivated to trade him. Um, all of those things kind of line up for me. Uh, I don't know. Any other thoughts? Yeah, look, uh, on the weekend when the, the Patrick Williams news broke, that the, my, one of my first thoughts was like, all right, this team has to pull a trade and they probably have to pull the trade sooner than what I was anticipating. But you know, credit to credit where it's true. I mean, Derek Jones Jr. in the last two games has been absolutely unbelievable as a backup power forward. Javante Green has done Javante Green things. Now, I'm not necessarily suggesting that those two guys are just going to remedy the situation. We don't have to look at trades or anything like that. But I, I guess where my mind was at like two, three days ago, where I was like, okay, we we need to pull a trade in November, December. I I, I kind of I've kind of want to see how this plays out because Derek Jones Jr., um, Tony Bradley, even Io to his credit have been unbelievable to the point where, you know, maybe some of us were thinking these guys may not even be in the rotation, or if they are in the rotation, they're not going to really add much value. But if if the Bulls are getting stuff from these guys, then I guess the the urgency to pull a trade isn't well it wouldn't be as urgent let's say or at least as urgent that i thought it maybe needed to be but i i guess i was watching that celtics game as well last night and i wasn't necessarily thinking they needed a a big I, I, look i i prefer small ball anyway and and whilst i take your point that power forward is the issue i don't know if they need a traditional power forward like christian wood like if you can get christian wood good like he's a very good player but I, I don't know if he gives the balls what exactly what they need but if you can get another three four type um, someone to combat your Jalen Browns or your Jason Tatum's who were for a period they're absolutely killing the Bulls. Um, that would be probably more ideal than getting a big because I, th- I think the Bulls can survive with Vooch and, and Tony Bradley and then you know spot minutes here with Alizé Johnson. But um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if they need a traditional four to be honest with you or, or some guy that's six foot ten, six foot eleven who can play four five type thing. I'm thinking they they need they need more of a three four who can spell some minutes. That um, you know, when the Bulls need to throw someone on Tatum or or, or someone on Jalen Brown, because at the moment what they're really doing is putting Caruso or Alonzo Ball on those types of players, and it would be ideal to have another three four type to throw on him, or those type of players. But um, who that who that guy is, I, I don't know. To be honest with you, it'll probably most likely be someone that's signed in the off season, who teams for whatever reason just hasn't worked out and they want to move them on after December fifteen or January fifteen, whatever the date is. I think that's probably more likely to be the case, but. I don't know. I want to see more of Derek Jones Jr. I want to see more of Tony Bradley. I thought they were fantastic the last couple of games, and um, they they deserve a bigger shot, I suppose. No, I'm in I'm in big disagreement with you on this one. I, I definitely <laughs> think we need a a big a four a guy that can bang with some of the bit bigger teams in the East. If you look at it right now, two, three, and four in the East are 76ers, Knicks, and Heat, all who have very strong front courts, uh, some guys that can really bang and rebound. And I think that's where our greatest disadvantage is against those teams. Uh, we saw it against the Knicks. I, I, I just think we're too small. We need one more big player that can defend and rebound, uh, ideally. And then we also need a guy off the bench, and that's going to be solved when Kobe comes back. I think he'll, he'll solve that issue quickly, who can shoot with range, hit the three, and uh, be a little bit of a scoring punch off the bench. But And Io's kind of bringing that now, too, hopefully growing in that role. 
But I think we are one player away. And to me, ideally, it'd be to drop, you know, like Michael Cage from 1989 onto this team. Just a guy who can grab boards and defend at a very high level. Taj Gibson in 2010. I love that the 1989 player. player reference. That's just so unreal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure everybody will love that. No, just a guy like I mean, Taj Gibson would be, probably be a better one in his prime. A guy that is a role player who defends and rebounds at a high level. We're coming. Maybe that's Tony Bradley, but I guess I'll, my counter yeah. to that would be would be like who's the Heat's starting power forward? It's it's PJ Tucker, who isn't a huge guy. I mean, he's huge, but he's like what six foot five, six foot six. He's not a, a big big dude. Yeah, but the you got to deal with Bam. Starting. Who's going to guard Bam? Who do you feel good about guarding Bam at a bio on the Bulls? Well, I mean, Vooch has to guard Bam. I mean, that, that that's that's well, the come case. On. You answered your question. That's a big, big problem. But are, right? are you going to well, bench? What Vooch? are you going to do then? Are you going to be I, exactly? What are you, you can't. You got to have. Vooch. There's no big four type that can handle these big front lines that can defend and rebound. You want a Vooch is your only answer. That's going to defend the opposing team center. You want you want our power forward to defend the opposing team center. That's no, what I, you're saying. You're, like no. you're, you're worried about Embiid. You're worried about Embiid, and you're worried yeah. about Bam playing center. And you're saying our center can't defend their center, so we need to get a power forward that's big enough to defend their center. Yeah, we need a high a high end defender in in the front court. We don't really have that now. Bradley's kind of stepped into that role, and he's he's very good. For some reason, he's still only playing twelve to thirteen minutes, which I can't really figure out why. And I like him a lot. I just think we're a little too small against the bigger teams. If you look at it. I just mentioned all those teams. Uh, let's see who else. The net, uh, Nets are pretty big, actually, too. Like, there's a lot of – that's my – and Cavs are, believe it or not, in the playoffs if the season ended today. Somehow the Cavs are ahead of the Bucks, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, they got a pretty big front court we're, there. We're, I don't know that we're going to worry about the Cavs. Let's wait to see how the season goes <laughs> before we make, make trades to try and worry about the Cavs. Uh, the, the one thing I guess I'll say to that is, Let's see what the Bulls do in the next two games against the 76ers. You mentioned like Tony Bradley and trying to deal with Joel Embiid. You know, maybe in these games against the 76ers where there is an opposing center that's going to beat you up a lot, you're going to see Bradley play more minutes. You know, he like who is he going to play? Why did he need to play 30 minutes against Boston? Like they weren't killing us with their center production. So, you know, it makes sense that his his minutes weren't going to be so big in in that type of uh environment and even against Utah to an extent. I mean, Certainly, Rudy Gobert is, is a very good player, but he's not a player that's dominating you on offense. Um, so, again, like going up against a team when we play Denver and uh, Jokic is out there, when we play Philly and Embiid is out there, when we play Miami and Bam is out there, if we're getting beat up defensively, that might be a time where you see Tony Bradley play a lot more minutes and, and that kind of that like resolves your own question. Uh, and we'll, we'll see how things go there. It's, it's going to go back a point, uh, but Mark, you kind of mentioned Derek Jones Jr., and the one thing I kind of want to throw out there is like we shouldn't be so surprised. Like Derek Jones Jr. was paid to be a starting caliber player, yeah. rotation caliber player, and he and you know he he played at a starting caliber level for. And he's not like he's like thirty three or forty or something. Like he's he's still in his prime. Um, so it's not surprising to me that he's come in and been able to make this type of contribution. You know, it's one of the things when this season happened. I thought the Bulls had tremendous depth, and what has really been the big winner to me for where the Bulls are now in having this depth is Io uh, becoming a rotation player basically right away. It's something like I didn't count on. I, I liked Io. I love the draft pick, you know, as much as Fred and I argued about his shooting. And I said, hey, look, he, he's kind of hurt you with his shooting in his first few games, which I still think is true. It's great to turn that around. And even on the podcast, I said, I don't think he's going to shoot this way his whole career. Just from what he's done, this is what's happened. But you know, he's clearly a rotation caliber player right away. And you never expect a second rounder to do that immediately. Like that should never be an expectation. Most second rounders wash out. I'm super happy with the pick and super happy he did that. And then the other guy is Javante Green. This was a guy who barely played, came in at the minimum and is here for on a two-year deal at the minimum and is giving you, I don't know if I'd say like starting caliber minutes, but it's giving you rotation caliber minutes. So you got two guys who are giving you rotation caliber play that were kind of not expected to be rotation caliber players. And, and that's like really taking the load off of all of these other things. You know, Tony Bradley is another guy we got the minimum who I think when we came in, we thought he could be a rotation player and, you know, he's able to do that so far. And then you still got, you know, guys like, like Pat Williams is actually out now for the year and we're still able to sustain that. Kobe White is going to come back. Uh, you still got Troy Brown Jr. who's off to a rough start and maybe out of the rotation right now. I think he's out of the rotation but he's another guy who you feel like, yeah, maybe he could still even be a rotation caliber guy. So the Bulls have actually got a lot of options, especially for that athletic wing uh, type of position where you can play Jones, you can play uh, Brown, you can play Io. 
you know, they, they actually have a tremendous amount of depth and they're just like rich in that sense uh, right now. I guess what's making this work though is De- DeMar DeRozan. And the reason why I say that is like, you've got that second perimeter guy who takes that pressure off Zach. And if you don't have DeMar, then then you're relying on, you know, Javante to play more minutes. You're relying on Derek Jones Jr. to play more minutes. You're relying on the rest of the squad to play more minutes. Maybe Io's, you know, brought into the, to the, into the rotation sooner and is asked to do more than what he's capable of doing and looks worse and hence doesn't necessarily have the type of performance he, he had yesterday sort of thing. So the fact that you have that other creator on the floor who's taking pressure off Lonzo, taking pressure off Caruso, even taking pressure, uh, pressure off Vucevic and Levine, it kind of just resets or reorganizes the hierarchy to the point where guys like Javante, Io, Tony Bradley, Derek Jones Jr., whoever it may be, they can just come in and play a very simple... Uh, simplified and small type role where they can just do those energy guy things and you know there, there will be outlier games where they they shoot the hell out of the ball like io did and they're, they're they're the upside performances that you can really bank on from your role guys but that really starts because you have someone like DeRozan who's coming to that starting unit and now that you have that secondary creator it, it just really like i said reorganizes the entire hierarchy where everything now just makes a lot more sense whereas previous iterations of Bulls teams you had Zach as the primary guy you know a gulf between who was the next best player and you know that next best player was typically typically someone like Thad Young or or Vucevic or you know a big who couldn't necessarily do anything on the perimeter so I think it really does matter that you have someone like DeRozan and maybe we should maybe we should spend some time talking about DeMar because uh I don't, I don't, I don't know what the Bulls' record is without Demar. Um, it's certainly not six and one. I, I don't even know if they have a winning record without Demar Derozan. To be honest with you, uh, he has just been an absolute godsend. And, and and like I say, like the root cause of all this, of, of why everything is working right now, I think can be funneled back to to Derozan and, and his presence and and what he's been able to do and and, and how that sort of flowed onto the rest of the team. Uh, you know, I hate to pat myself on the back, but. No, you don't. This is you don't hate that at all. Don't even hate I that saw. a little bit. <laughs> this is absolutely what I first saw this summer, uh, watching this <laughs> this tape of this guy in San Antonio. He was like a completely different player than what I remembered, you know, of him in Toronto. And he was a good player in Toronto, but he wasn't the facilitator. He didn't have the passing ability uh, that he had. That he somehow developed. And I really think he developed exponentially as a playmaker when he went to San Antonio. And so. Uh, I was really confused about all these talking heads nationally who were complaining about how overpaid he was and why did we give up draft picks for him. He's a freaking awesome player. He averaged 20, you know, 21 he almost averaged a 2176. I mean, and he gets to the line a, a ton. He he solves so many issues for this team whether it's free throw attempts, hitting at a high rate of free throws, uh passing. He just does he solves so many issues on our offensive end just with that simple acquisition. It's like that acquisition alone is, is uh, enough to hand the Executive of the Year trophy over to uh, our tourists. It was just an unbelievable deal. The thing I especially like about this team, too, though, is something I noticed is, you know, everybody thought we're going to be horrible defensively. I did want to touch on this before we move over to DeMar. If you look at it, Lonzo DeRozan, Levine, Caruso, everybody in this roster, with the exception of uh, Vucevic, is, is switchable on defense. So when you get caught in transition, you know, you got to pick up another guy. It's not like this is a major, uh, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do here? You know, like, so the team is undersized. Yes, it's true. But we're not small, if that makes sense. We, we have a bunch of guys that are all within 6'4 to 6'8 that can guard, ball can guard a big if he has to, Randall. Maybe not for the whole game. But uh, it really allows for some interesting things to do in a de- defensive end. And Donovan's a match uh, master. Every game I watch with this guy, I fall more and more in love with him. I think he's been a- an excellent coach for this team. And we got a-, a great defensive team that covers up a lot of what De- DeRozan doesn't have. So, um, you know, it's just it's a, it's a magic. It's a magical season so far. And I, can, I, I see nothing but more magic as we go ahead. Yeah, the one thing I'd add about that is DeMar DeRozan's actually a pretty solid defender. When I watch him, like he, he suffers some blow buys, but what's really impressed me is his smarts off the ball. Like he's made some, some blocks coming from behind. He's made some steals and maybe that's just the rest of the team defense is so good that it, it allows him to do a little bit more and he takes a few more risks than he might have otherwise. And when he gets burned, there's more guys covering for him. And so you don't notice the warts as much. I think the same is true a little bit with Zach. Like Zach's always been a little bit solid individually, but just uh, he gets a little lost in the team defense. 
and maybe maybe Zach can just play on uh, that individual defense and not worry so much about those other things as he used to. But the whole team, I think, is, has been really solid defensively. And, and DeMar, relative to his reputation, has been much better than I expected him to be defensively. And offensively, I mean, I think we expected really good things, and, and we've seen them. Like, like it's, it's even better than I thought it would be, but I, I had high expectations for what he could do offensively. And we've seen everything fit the way it want, like how we would hope. Uh, Fred, I, I think maybe you brought up uh, GM of the year, executive of the year. I mean, man, if this season continues to go anything remotely like it's gone so far, uh, Arturis wins this in a landslide. Like it's not even close. Like it's 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 going to be like anonymous vote, like the way it goes. Um, one thing I, I want to ask you both to to shift gears slightly. Uh, more impressive win, do you think? Uh, Jazz or Boston? Which one were you more excited about? Yeah, that's that's an interesting one because I, the Jazz are definitely better, but they were without Mike Conley, so that that matters because they're 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 one they're, they're down one creator, let's say. But yeah, I mean the the way the Bulls came back against the Celtics was truly damn impressive. So I probably lean Celtics because that was shaping up to be a loss, and you know on the road as well, starting a road trip or or starting a you know that real rough schedule that we've got coming up in here in November. I probably lean the Celtics just just due to the fact that they came back from what seemed like a a certain loss. But having said that, I mean the, the Jazz are a legit regular season team. Um, I was very scared going into that game because the, the way the Jazz play basketball is almost the antithesis of the way the Bulls do it. I mean, the Jazz just absolutely own the boards. The, the, the Bulls are a bad de- defensive rebounding team. The Jazz lead the league in three-point attempts. The Bulls are basically at the bottom. So there's just a great disparity in the way they play and the, what the Jazz do well, the, the Bulls don't necessarily do well in. So I, I assume that was going to be a big-time loss, but the Bulls were able to, to win that game. So... I, I guess I would say the Jazz is a better opponent that we defeated, but the fact of where that game was with, um, within the Boston game, and I thought that was going to be a loss, and the way they came back was super encouraging. So I, I probably will say the Celtics game, maybe it's a prisoner of the moment take, but um, I lean Celtics. Yeah, I unequivocally say it was a Celtics game for the following reasons. Number one, I, I landed, I was, in, I was in flight, so I wasn't able to watch the game. Uh, until later, obviously, and uh, when I landed, they were down 18. I think it was Q3 or four. It, it was they were down quite a bit, and I remember shutting off my phone as I got off the plane, saying, "Well, this game's over." Like, cause I was still trapped in the, the previous three years, thinking, you know, I can only think of one game probably in the previous three years where the Bulls made a impressive, massive comeback. That was against Charlotte, a team that really sucked, uh, where Zach hit that famous, uh, you know, last second three to win a game and a miracle comeback, but. Against a good team, which Boston absolutely is, they have fantastic players and and Brown and Tatum and Smart. Although they're not playing great this year, it's still a very good team. It's still still very difficult to win in Boston. For them to come back the way they did, and most importantly, some of the passing that went on in the fourth quarter was some of the best ball movement I've seen from a Bulls team in in, in a long time. Even to the Tibbs years, where the you know that team was really in a Q four, still way too Rose centric. If you look at how this Bulls team was, they were moving the ball. I, I, how many great passes did you have from Vucevic out to somebody? Hits Io for the three. Um, DeMar DeRozan hit a three. DeMar DeRozan shooting 41% from three, by the way, as an aside for a guy who can't hit threes. Pretty impressive so far this season. I mean, just the ball movement was fantastic, and, and each different guy stepped up. Levine was phenomenal to get us you know, out of that after a horrible start uh, down the stretch. This team has so many weapons, and they move the ball and are so eager to pass the ball so well. Only good things can develop from that. So I'm a lot higher on this team. I think they could win a title this year. I really believe it. <laughs> they need one more guy. And uh, that's not my prediction. My prediction is seven wins this year in the playoffs <laughs> and seven title next year. But we yeah. should all be much more excited than we are. I still sense a little bit of, well, let's see a little bit more. Like, what's going to take, dudes? Seven games in, we're six and one, and we beat two kick-ass teams. Like, wake up, Chicago! This team's for real. <laughs> uh, I would just add that. Um, I mean, just ignoring the uh, the Uber enthusiasm just for a moment. I just wanted to add that. Um, I, I think you learn more about you know, the, your respective team in, in games like the, the Celtics game versus the Jazz game where things aren't going well and you, you understand or learn how they, they counter things. So you, you touched on it there, Fred, but like Vucevic, I, I want to give him some love because he it was a difficult matchup with him because he had to 
he had to guard Robert Williams, who's more of a drop big, but then he also had to guard Al Horford, who's the complete opposite of what uh, Robert Williams is. And, you know, a guy like Horford traditionally against drop centers like Vucevic can cause problems. So Vuce was, Vuce had some matchup problems yesterday against the Celtics, but, you know, despite him having not a great offensive game, having struggles on defense against that particular matchup, he found ways to impact the game. And you, you noted it there, Fred, like he's passing, particularly in the fourth quarter. Like the dude was like one rebound or one assist away from a triple-double. I think he had nine assists or whatever it was. Like he found a way to impact the game. And there was one specific play in that fourth quarter where he couldn't get the rebound himself, the offensive rebound. And instead of you know, trying to get the rebound himself, he, he tapped the ball to Derek Jones Jr. who was waiting there in the dunker spot. And and the, that was at a critical point where the, the game was 114-112 or something like that. Four minutes left to play in the fourth quarter. And, and Derek Jones Jr. made that bucket off a really smart IQ play from, um, from Vucevic. So I wanted to give him some love, but also... Billy Donovan, I thought, made some interesting adjustments in this game as well, which made this probably or probably lends to the, the this this game being the more impressive win, where he left Zach in with the with the bench guys in the in the third and fourth quarter, whereas it's usually Demar time with the bench. But in this case, he sort of flipped the rotation around, where he left Zach in with Io and Derek Jones Jr., Tony Bradley, etc., and, and Caruso and. I like the look of that lineup more with Levine more so than DeRozan, and I want them to, to explore that more. But that, that was something different that we hadn't seen. So, um, and, and that was really key in, in the Bulls coming out and, and winning that game because Zach was fantastic with that bench, you know, to sort of get the Bulls back into that game. So, you know, credit to, to Vucevic for finding ways to impact the game, even, you know, when he wasn't necessarily playing a, a grade A game, let's say, or a, a very good game from his point of view. And and Billy Donovan as well, like he, he did things in the moment, flipped the switch. And I, I guess to the point here is why maybe this Boston Celtics win is more impressive is, like I said, you learn more about your team in when they're sort of behind the, the eight ball, so to speak. And I like what Billy Donovan was doing. I liked what Vucevic do, uh, did despite things not going his way. And, um, Again, that's why it's really it was a super encouraging win because it didn't feel fluky. It felt like these guys were figuring things out and uh, and they were understanding how to play with each other and all that sort of stuff. They're still learning and all that all all that stuff that I mentioned before. But um, yeah, the now the more we talk about it, the the more it becomes clear that the Celtics game was the more impressive win for a number of reasons. Really. All right, so I'm just gonna let you know you're both wrong. Just in <laughs> traditional Fred Pfeiffer way. It's the jazz game. It's the jazz game. And look, no. everything you said, everything you said, completely accurate in terms of, yeah, it was great to see them come back. It was great to see them figure things out. I love like all the things you noted about the the lineup and trying Zach with the, the bench mob. I love that because his additional three-point shooting, I, I think, helps those guys a little bit more. Uh, and what mm-hmm. we've seen is actually either one of those scores with the bench mob now is pretty successful strategy, which is is great to see. And just having a good score out at all times on the floor is incredibly impressive. Our last few bench mobs have just been all energy guys and no scores. So now we always have a score out there, and that's great. But it's the Jazz game, and, and here's why. This was the first time they beat a real team. And just to see that, just to see them beat a real team for the first time and do the show me you can beat a real team. That just wins. I mean, and uh, yeah, it was amazing to see them come back against Boston. That showed me something else. But Boston has been struggling now. They've been an underachiever for like two, three years in a row. Like everyone's like, oh, Tatum and Brown are so great. Tatum and Brown are so great. And where's Boston at the end of the year? Every year, they're in the disappointing column. And they are disappointing off to start this. They've just lost the third game in a row. They're already sniping at each other in the media. And like, you know, Marcus Smart is, is calling out Tatum and Brown for not sharing the ball. Like, this is not a team where everything is going well. It doesn't surprise me in a lot of ways that they fell apart and they choked. And, like, they completely choked at the end of that game. The Bulls did great, but, like, Boston was just, like, throwing the ball away, like, repeatedly and doing stupid stuff. Like, and I love the comeback. I loved it. But beating a team that was, like, were the Jazz, like, the best record in the league last year? If not, they were, like, close. I mean, like, they, they were, are a yeah. great regular season team. They're a great team. And the Bulls, like, when was the last time they went against a good team and you thought, like, yeah, they can win this? After the Bulls the beat Raptors. the Jazz, come on, the Raptors missing. Raptors missing, are five and missing, three. Well, missing Siakam, 
I mean, so whatever. Jazz were missing Conley. I mean, yeah, who cares? Conley's like 57 argument. years old. I mean, like, he's no one, one of cares. the top three players. What are yeah, you talking about? If the third top player, like by a huge margin, I mean, the two other guys are like all NBA, and then yeah, he's, no the third, yeah. he's the third. He's the third best, best guy who's like he's way still a beyond. Key player. That's like saying like Larry Markkinen was our second best player last year the or something. Like, it doesn't matter. Just the Raptors. It's but it's the Jazz because the Raptors. You didn't go into that Raptors game going like, oh wow, the Raptors are going to kick our ass. You went into that game thinking like the Raptors aren't any good. Before the season started, we looked at this and said this was a team that was like like what fifth, sixth worst in the league last year. They're missing who you would expect to be their best player. Like you would not expect. And Scotty Barnes has come out and played really well, so they're maybe a little better than we thought they would be. But mm-hmm. you didn't go into that game thinking they're great. You went into this Jazz game thinking like, yeah, there's a, probably a good chance that the Jazz are going to kick our ass. They're going to completely expose everything we thought about this team and that our first four wins were just, you know, part of the schedule. And then we came back and the Jazz made a run against us. They kept making runs and we kept holding them off. It was like a legit game start to end against a good team where we just flat out beat them and we were better than them. And that gave me confidence going into this Boston game. Like the end was great, but going to the Boston game, I thought we were going to win. I like mocked like like how are the Bulls not the favorite in this game? How is Boston the favorite in this game before it started? I thought we were gonna go and kick Boston's ass before the game started. So the fact that we beat them was great, and the fact the way we beat them was great, and that we learned that we're not gonna give up and we can come back. That's all great. But I thought we were gonna kick their ass before the game started. I can't say that about the Jazz. And so for me, it was the Jazz game. <laughs> Good stuff, I mean, Doug. Good stuff. The, I, mean, I let me just say though, it's it's basketball, right? I mean, just, there's going to be games. Check the cues, Fred. Check the cues. Oh, I can't. Like five five, five with... times oh, we even came up with a system. Mister oh. Point Guard Ball Hog over here. Mark saying like signal like I got stuff to say. I'm oh. signaling. Mark's next, and Fred's I wish like, people could say this let me right. just I jump in. Let me just jump in. You know what? I got the to say so much more are, important. Yeah, all right. I got that's you. All right. See, that's why I should be point guard. You're not point guard. You're ball hog. That's what you want to be. You don't want to play point guard. You want to play ball hog. All right, Mark. Mark, now we have to go back to audio cues. (laughs) I forgot what I was going to say. No, what I was going to say was, before Fred cut me off, um, (laughs) was that, you know, to to enhance your point, Doug, like, I I take your point and... The Jazz were, I think there's three teams at the moment that are top 10 in, in offense and defense. And the Bulls are one of them. The other teams are the Heat and the Jazz. So to, to emphasize your point, you know, the, the Celtics win may have been more stirring. It may have been more whatever it was because they came back from a comeback. Well, they came back and won that game. But to your point, like the Jazz are a really damn good team and they may come out of the West. So like who who the hell knows? But yeah, to your point, they're the top 10 in offense, top 10 in defense. So that, that was a legit win. But I guess the other point that I just wanted to make is like, how good is it that we have an opportunity now to deb- debate which was a better a, a better or more comprehensive win compared to like last season where <laughs> we rarely even got to speak about wins? Like now, right now we, we're arguing about like which win was more impressive. But like when you take a step back and get gain some perspective, the fact that we're this soon into the season talking about really comprehensive wins against two or at least one extremely good team and another good team, a comparable team to the Bulls. Like, um, yeah, I think we should just be uh, relishing this the fact that this is occurring, I suppose, and, and, and that um, level of perspective is what I've got at the moment, which is very ideal. All right, Fred, I got one for you. How many games in before we win as many games as last year? Oh, that's a good This question. is a great question for the profit. I'd say how many well, – we, we won how many last year? I got to remember, first of all, 32? How many did we win last year? 33? I thought it was 31. I, think, I mean, we, I could quickly check. I think check. we were like on pace for like 36 if, or something like that, if 35 if it was like a prorated season two. Oh, boy. Let's yeah, just say. Too, this is too math dependent. All right, all right, like, all give right. Me, give me a second on that. I, I, I got mean, I figured the profit would I just I got something else to say. All right, Let's all right, say Fred, I right, am the profit. Go ahead. I, I want us all to go into every game from the, from the rest of this year from this point forward. We are the teams that should be kicking ass. We are afraid of no one. There is no one in this league that I am scared of. Because we have Vucevic, we have Zach Levine, and we have DeMar DeRozan. And all three of those guys, nine times out of ten, are going to kick the ass of whoever are the best three on the other team. If we play my game, which I like to play with Doug, where we show up at lifetime and we pick the two rosters, more often than not, the Bulls are going to have more guys picked in the top ten. And that's the attitude we should have going forward. I remember this feeling in 2010 with my old buddy Mark Lewenthal. And every game we'd talk about, and he'd be saying, wow, we're pretty good. Yeah, we're good enough to win a title good immediately. 
let's wake up and stop acting like Vinny Del Negro is coaching the team. I think we've been poisoned by boiling and all the stuff we've had in the last few years. We have one of the best coaches in the league. We have the best one of the best shooting guards, if not the best shooting guard in the league. We got a top five small forward, a top five center, and our team is kick ass and ball's pretty good too. So <laughs> that's the attitude to have. I also want to say one more thing before we go forward. Give me one second. Billy Donovan on IO, quote unquote. He's got a certain kind of makeup that I think is really special. He's ultra competitive and he has unbelievable confidence and belief in himself. But it's not just cross the line arrogant. It's a real hard combination. He just is fearless, end quote. I love this guy's uh, quotes. I love the way he communicates with the press and the fans. And it's the contrast between him and the buffoon that we had before him is so starking and so amazing that uh, it just makes me want to drop off to my knees, drop to my knees and start crying and, and look, raising my head to the heavens and saying, thank God <laughs> Billy Donovan's our head coach. Go ahead, Doug. <laughs> I mean, we couldn't uh, mention any of that IO stuff in the IO segment earlier. I want to go back to IO for <laughs> at the end of the show. You got anything else we need to talk about IO? You want to get it off your chest now? Are we good? Good. Anyway, um, yeah, I know, Fred, that you actually have to get out of here really soon, so I want to be respectful of your time, and I'm glad we were able to squeeze this in. But a few quick-hitting things uh, that maybe I just want to talk. New jerseys uh, just were released, the, the Bull City jerseys. Do either of you guys like these things? I love them. I love that script. Mark? I'm not a jersey guy. Like, I, I could care less about jerseys or shoes or whatever, but like, I actually like this one. I think it looks it looks pretty good. All right. And I just got to say, like, I, I, I don't hate the jerseys. But I just can't think of like a more bland, safe take than these jerseys. Like, let's just throw back to like a Chicago script logo, solid red. You know, the Bulls design jerseys like we're Taco Bell working with four ingredients. It's going to be red. It's going to be either the word Bulls or the word Chicago, or it's going to be white, <laughs> or it's going to have pinstripes. Those are the only ingredients we have when designing a jersey. Like the last year's city jersey was like the only thing that ever deviated from that. Like it's it's like we're not gonna expand the color palette. We're not gonna do anything else. We're just gonna throw it like back to like see how many combinations we can come up with like the four most simple elements in the universe. And I get that for your main jersey, like you want to stick with like the classics, like absolutely. But like you're going with the city jersey. This thing is supposed to stand out a little bit. Like you couldn't make some badass new bull logo. Like a bull. It. You couldn't come Red. up with something like amazing. You couldn't Red come up with Leviathan. Like a, yeah. Like, Red Leviathan. How cool would that have been? You could have big picture of me as the prophet on the cover. It would be amazing. We could have Fred riding a bull on the city jersey. It would be <laughs> Steph, incredible. Steph, Fred Steph, is, knows, uh, Steph knows image would have been Fred, Fred is a matador. Like on the on the jersey, like, you know, with the bulls. I mean, like you could do all kinds of crazy stuff here. I just like I, I get it, like it's nostalgic and like like there's nothing wrong with it. It's fine, but I'm just like if I didn't like look at it closely, I could be like yeah, this is the same. Like they just pulled this off the shelf from like ten years ago. Like there's like a dozen different like alternate jerseys that have had like the same similar vibe to it. I love the shorts though. Like the weird, the cool logo on the shorts. Those are nice. I will say that my, my initial thought was this looks very Portland Trailblazers, like Blazers esque rather. Um, like you know, have you seen their red jerseys they wear? Like yes. their alternate jersey. It, it kind of felt like that a little bit, but then. Again, like I didn't get too emotional about it because like I could care less about jerseys, so I won't get too emotive on this podcast. But um, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Like they're not going to get money out of my out of my pocket anyway. I'm not I'm not giving the dwarfs any money, so <laughs> it is whatever. The one thing care. I'll add is I don't know if you guys have ever seen like they did this. Um, they do Big hat night perfs. like pre- pretty regularly, right? At the the games. If you've ever seen, they did these uh, artist inspired hat hat nights where they had, like Chicago Chicago artists create bulls hats. And if yeah. you've ever seen any of those hats. They're all amazingly epic. Like each and every one of them is absolutely incredible. And I just would be awesome if they did just something like that for these jerseys where they just said, we're not going to look at anything traditional for the brand. We're just going to say, if you just had to envision someone's making a Bulls jersey and you knew nothing about the Chicago Bulls, what would it look like? I think they'd come up with some really incredible, incredible stuff. But anyway, that's, that's, that's my thought. Sorry, rant over. Um, anything else we need to touch on? This show. Well, I, I just important. want to put it out there, and we've sort of touched on it loosely, but I mean, we, we, we spoke about Arturus as, you know, GM of the year, executive of the year, whatever it may be, but like if the Bulls keep up this pace, I mean, can we start talking about Billy Donovan as coach of the year? That's a great, great yeah. point, Mark. No arguments. That's a great point. It's in. I, no arguments. He absolutely is. He should be. I mean, to be. take this team with a disparate group of, well, let's, let's be honest, most people expected this to be like one of the worst three defenses in the NBA, and we're what, top 10? So, right there, let's start with And, and there. defense is a big part, of, I mean, coaching is a big part of defense, right? Like your scheme and, and how you do things. Your coach has a bigger impact on defense 
than any other area, you know, and if he can get a lot out of his role players, you know, like coaches who just yeah. roll out some stars, it's like, okay, anyone can do that, you know, but, but if you get a lot out of your role players and you have a good defense, that's usually a sign of like really good coaching. And Fred, to your point earlier, you know, every time you hear Donovan talk, you're like, oh, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. And I know this is going to piss you off, Fred, so I apologize in advance. But it reminds me a lot of Tom Thibodeau. Like when Shout Tom Thibodeau came here and <laughs> you know his predecessor was Vinny Del Negro. And Vinny Del Negro, like every time you heard him talk, you're like, this guy's just a boob. He knows no idea what he's talking about. And then you would listen to Tom Thibodeau break down basketball. And you're like, this guy is a complete genius compared to the other guy. And so I'm not saying anything about them as like, you know, comparing their coaching styles or anything. But like, I mean, even though I know you're not a fan of some some Thib stuff, like you'd admit he's 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 definitely oh, like a basketball he, genius. And, he's and a basketball it was savant. night and day. He's a gray man in basketball. It was it was like night and day <laughs> when you went from like Del Negro to Thibodeau, and it's the same thing of night and day when you went from uh, Boylan to Donovan. Uh, when you listen to these guys talk, and you could just see the difference in level of respect uh, that that he has in the locker room. No, no denying that. Yeah, Tibbs was uh, my all my issues with Tibbs. We don't want to get into that. We don't want to get yeah, into nothing that. to do with his <laughs> basketball knowledge or uh, understanding of the game. He's a very smart man when it comes to basketball. But uh, you know, we could have I, we could possibly have Io win Rookie of the Year. For the <laughs> going what are you? What are you? Back to Io. Back to Io. I love the way you pulled it back. I, uh, I, I know you had you were stretching. The you were just l- looking for an opening of like how can I fit Io into this conversation, and you pulled it off. Kudos to how you, Fred. Kudos this, to though? you. If if I didn't play for Illinois, do you think you'd still like him, Fred? Not to this level because I wouldn't have been watching him <laughs> to this level. <laughs> but I'd say my you know. 1,585 minutes watching Io should matter a little bit more than your eight. Well, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> Mini Cooper. quality versus quantity. I mean, that, that's <laughs> really what we're getting into. <laughs> but, I mean, back, back to Donovan for a second. Like, and, and it touches on the point that we sort of raised before around, like, and you noted this, Doug, where the league feels kind of even at this point. But like, if you think about last year's Coach of the Year sort of race where Tibbs won it, I believe, like Monty Williams was was there. Like Phoenix aren't going to be as good of a story as they were last season, last season so he's not going to win it. Tibbs won it last year, so he's not going to win it this time around. The rest of the field is quite even. Like Brooklyn aren't coming out and dominating. And even if they were, Steve Nash probably isn't going to win it. The Bucks haven't dominated, so Buddy isn't going to win it. Uh, like unless... The Jazz do something amazing. I don't think Quinn Snyder is going to win it because they were they were just absurdly good last season. So it's kind yeah. of set up for Billy Donovan to win this thing, assuming the Bulls continue down the path they're going. And really, the only guy I think who may challenge him at this point is maybe Sapolstra with the Heat because like the Heat have been unbelievably um, unbelievably good. And I guess the one team that I am scared of in the East at the moment, beyond the Bucks and the Nets, is the Heat. And um, you know they, they've been. Damn good, but I, I'm, I'm putting it in early. I think Billy, Billy Donovan is going to win this thing. And just as a side note to all this conversation, I had a user on Twitter. I, I wish I remembered his handle, but um, he, he made the note that uh, there's a, a nickname going around for Jim Boylan, and, and the nickname is Egg Popovich, which <laughs> I found to be you know, just purely brilliant. Um, so I just wanted to raise that on the podcast because it, it needs more love. It I wish I could remember who the guy that alerted me to it. He wasn't the, the original founder of the nickname, but he made me aware of it. And um, yeah, I, unfortunately, I can't shout him out. I wish I, I remembered his username, but Egg Popovich, I think, is just um, is absolutely brilliant for, for for old Jim Boylan there. So um, shout out to Jim. Hopefully, hopefully he's well. Amazing. I, I, wrote, I wrote a song. I just finished it. Which is probably the most brilliant piece of work I've ever done. It's called Boiling. It's just boiling. Is this better and, than than Mark it's better has than used Heinrich. like Cowley? It's, it's just... better than Heinrich. Oh, that was a good one too, though. You got to admit that was a good one, Mark. Every time I post that, somebody who hasn't seen it always reaches out to me saying how brilliant it was. This one makes that look like a nursery rhyme. It's tens, tens of people. Tens and of people I, I promise you, I will devote this this upcoming weekend to putting Boylan out for the audience, um, and, and I can't wait to get your feedback on it. Th- that said, how enjoyable has this been? And we're actually talking about like a kick-ass Bulls team. You know what I mean? Well, Isn't it great? It's, it's I, extremely enjoyable. I, we need it's, something. It's very good. We need something to just throw some controversy in here. I well, mean, as well, far as I got was no one. No one <laughs> actually. I mean, I said, like, Pat Williams isn't any good in the team, doesn't need to replace him because, you know, he's not actually better You're than the people behind that. him. And, like, surprisingly, not a single person argued with me. I thought, like, maybe this would, like, every single person was like, yeah, you're right. You know, as it turns out, you're right. Like, even before the games were played, 
even before the games <laughs> were played. I thought I thought for sure there'd be some people who are like, no, no, this is completely wrong. But no, not to a man. Every single person who responded said, yep, that's right on target. Like, sadly, sadly, that's true. Everyone agrees also. It, it hurts our long-term future. We obviously need Pat in the long run. But in the short term, it just doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Well, I had a, well, the, the irony here, Doug, is and maybe I'm, I'm very glad I didn't go with it, but on the day when his injury happened and the news broke, like I had a scheduled tweet. I schedule a lot of my tweets because I'm on, on a different time zone, but I had a scheduled tweet around Patrick Williams and like what who would be the worst player you were trading for. And I was scheduled to tweet that just after the news broke oh that God. he was going to miss the entire season. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'll quickly delete this tweet because... Um, How great would it It's Mark it Slips. Uh, the tweet goes out and holy oh, no, smoke. It was close. I woke up in the middle of the night. I was like, oh shit, I better, I better change this. But um, yeah, I I'm fortunate, like, but that would have been controversial. That would have riled up the fan base. That would have, um, that would have, would have for wait, sure. Wait, so let me get this straight. You have a program that automatically sends out your tweets at various times of the day. Do we have to have an IT session? I, I think mean, we need we, to have we, an we, IT we, session with Fred. I'm, <laughs> I'm well, very impressed that you managed magic. to turn your camera on. <laughs> most of most of the scheduled tweets are about you, Fred. You all just... my tweets. All my, <laughs> thanks a lot, Doug. All my tweets starts in the head, goes right to the fingers within about ten seconds. It's the magic. <laughs> you gotta let it come right out. There it goes. Boom. Right. How, how long does it take for your fingers to actually like pen out the tweet though? Like it might take ten seconds to get from your brain to your fingers, but fingers to you know actually tweeting yeah. that. What's that? It's like, only like an minutes. hour process. He actually has someone type them for him uh, because the keyboard technology is, is challenging. He's got his son do that. He just. He just says them, and then Ben goes and types them in. <laughs> I, I'm getting, I'm getting a raw deal. So this is kind of like DeRozan's defensive ability is uh, kind of like the reputation on that is what my technical ability is. It's definitely not getting the the, the credit it deserves. And you'll see that when I head in the studio and record boiling. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> All right. I got to go. <laughs> people are excited about That's- that. Oh, w- one more quick thing. I, I got to say this. We're getting people who actually want to go to uh, a game. I got it. If you're interested in joining us at a game, email us at credfred at gmail.com and say, I want to join you. And so far, we got a number of people. Yeah, I actually reached out to the today to Bulls to get uh, pricing on group tickets. I already did that. Why didn't you tell me that? I already had a connection there. All right. Well, well that's all right. We'll see who gets a better price. Uh, it'd probably be you. I don't know anyone. <laughs> you're a sales guy. You should be able to negotiate these people. This you'll, is like right up your alley. You'll come down. You'll you'll have like a fifty percent less than mine, and I'll be like, "What the hell's going on here?" <laughs> They're like, "Ah, oh, we know, remember you." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys, that's a wrap for this edition of the show. I'm not going to let you tell anyone where to find you. They'll figure that out all on their own. And uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, go Bulls. Go Bulls. Love you guys. Take it easy. And remember, I O for Rookie of the Year.